1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy.
0: That's what the poster said.
1: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists
0: to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Getting you ready for the weekend here on Listen Up. I hope everybody is doing well. How odd is it for the first time since October, if you're or excuse me, the first time since August if you're a fan of college football and if you're a fan of the NFL, the first time since September that we have no football. How odd is that as we get ready for the Super Bowl? But really nobody's talking about the Super Bowl. Everyone's pretty much focused in on what's going on with the uh, lawsuit that was filed, a class action suit by former Dolphins coach Brian Flores. Uh, You know the routine? You hit your hand icon, raise your hand, we'll get you right on. And you can ask me anything that you want. Uh, it's going to be kind of my uh, kind of like we've done the last two weeks weeks—an Open Forum. Really have loved the phone calls that I have received uh, on the last two shows. Just been phenomenal. I've really enjoyed it. I thank everyone for their interest and their support uh, and the phone calls. And uh, just, it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. And I really appreciate your support uh, and you listening here. You know, I read yesterday... Reports, not reports, but statements from Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, and John Elway, of course, with the Denver Broncos, who conducted the interview with Brian Flores a couple of years ago when he was interested in the job in Denver. The Giants have also come out with a strong rebuke against Brian Flores. And they said this. The allegation that the Giants' decision had been made prior to Friday evening, January 28th, is false. And to base that allegation on a text exchange with Bill Belichick in which he ultimately states that he thinks Brian Dable would get the job is irresponsible. The text exchange occurred the day before Coach Dable's in-person interview even took place, the Giants' ownership would never hire a head coach based only on a 20-minute Zoom interview, which is all that Mr. Dayball had at that point. In addition, Mr. Belichick does not speak for and has no affiliation with the Giants. Mr. Belichick's text exchange proves or provides no insight into what actually transpired during our head coaching search. All right. Here's more. The consensus from within the Giants organization after this dinner remained that Mr. Flores was an outstanding candidate. By the way, the dinner was the 26th, the night before the 27th interview. All right. So again, they say the consensus from within the Giants organization after this dinner remained that Mr. Flores was an outstanding candidate, and we look forward to sitting down with him in person the next day. Our hiring process, and most certainly our consideration of Mr. Flores, was serious and genuine. We are disappointed to learn that Mr. Flores was under the mistaken impression The job had already been awarded. Now, on Wednesday, Flores was on CBS doing an interview, and he was asked if clubs have the right to hire the person they think is the best qualified for the job or the person they feel is right for them. Flores responded, quote, they do. That's very reasonable to me. The Giants finished their statement by saying, "We hired Brian Dable as our head coach at the conclusion of an open and thorough interview process. No decision was made and no job offer was extended until the evening of January 28th, a full day after Ms. Flores' in-person interview and a day-long visit to the Giants." I'm not an attorney, and I don't truly know what's going on other than what I've read. But it appears to me that Brian Flores is a guy that got his feelings hurt back when he interviewed with Denver. His characterization of John Elway and those in the room that they were disheveled and had been out drinking was refuted in a statement by John Elway, and quite frankly, without knowing what is factual, it makes Brian Flores look pretty bad. I'm just being honest with you here. As does the allegations against the New York Giants. Again, I wasn't there. I don't know. But it just seems to me that Brian Flores is going to have a very difficult time proving that his interviews with the Denver Broncos and the New York Giants were sham interviews, as they call it, okay? Seems to me that is going to be rather difficult to prove. Now, as far as the allegations that the owner of the Dolphins, Stephen Ross, offered and tried to incentivize Flores for losing, I don't think that will be difficult to prove. I think that there's enough information out there one way or the other where you'll be able to know whether that really did happen or not i'm not saying that it didn't happen i'm just saying i think we'll know but just based on the timelines that was put out by both the broncos and the giants i I don't see how brian flores is going to prevail on that aspect of the lawsuit i really don't you know if you weren't with me yesterday and you did not hear the statement by John Elway, he said, quote, while I was not planning to respond publicly to the false and defamatory claims by Brian Flores, I could not be silent any longer with my character, integrity, and professionalism being attacked. All right. That's how the statement began. I took Coach Flores very seriously as a candidate for our head coaching position in 2019 and enjoyed our three and a half hour interview with him. Along with the rest of our group, I was prepared, ready, and fully engaged during the entire interview as Brian shared his experience and vision for our team. It's unfortunate and shocking to learn for the first time this week that Brian felt differently about our interview with him. For Brian to make an assumption about my appearance and state of mind early that morning was subjective, hurtful, and just plain wrong. If I appeared disheveled, as he claimed, it was because we had flown in during the middle of the night immediately following another interview in Denver and were going on a few hours sleep to meet the only window provided to us. I interviewed Brian in good faith, gave him the same consideration and opportunity as every other candidate for our head coaching position in 2019. Again, you got pretty strong statements in rebuttal from the Giants, from the Broncos, and from the owner of the Miami Dolphins. All right. Now, could that be because they're trying to save face and they're trying to win the lawsuit? Yes, it could. All right. Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, said with regards to the allegations being made by Brian Flores, I am a man of honor and integrity and cannot let them stand without responding. I take great personal exception to these malicious attacks, and the truth must be known. His allegations are false, malicious, and defamatory. We understand there are media reports stating that the NFL intends to investigate his claims, and we will cooperate fully. I welcome that investigation. And I am eager to defend my personal integrity and the integrity and values of the entire Miami Dolphins Dolphins organization from these baseless, unfair, and disparaging claims. You know what? If the NFL or any private, independent investigation sides with the Giants and the Broncos pertaining to their timeline and their interviewing of Brian Flores and others, and it is determined that they were not sham interviews. This is gonna look really bad for Brian Flores. It really is, it's gonna look bad for him. It really is. All right, let's get to some phone calls. Why don't we open up this Friday show with Marty? Hello, Marty. How you doing today, Grant? I'm Marty, I'm fine, how are you? I'm all right. I think the biggest part
2: of this entire investigation isn't necessarily the racism part. let me rephrase that. I think that's going to be harder to prove, but I think the biggest story coming out of this is the Dolphins incentivizing him for throwing the games. Now, if those allegations are proven true, what kind of punishment does that look like coming from the NFL? And secondly, what is the fallout in, in the gambling world? What, what is the yeah.
0: fallout with that? Well, first of all, I totally agree with you because we already know that there is inequity in the National Football League with the lack of minority head coaches. I mean that, that that's right out there. I hate to say it's black and white, but you know, I, I'm I'm using that it is black and white, okay? Mm-hmm. It really is. There's no gray area there. I totally agree with you about what you're saying about incentivizing a coach to lose games. If if that is found to be true, Stephen Ross will no longer be the owner of the Miami Dolphins and the Dolphins will be severely uh, punished. I'm not really sure how, but the ramifications from a gambling aspect in a billion-dollar enterprise, I can't even imagine the shock waves that are going to go through the gambling world and the casinos and people. That I mean, you know, are you are you, are you going to go back and refund people's money uh, who lost games in whatever year that was involving the Miami Dolphins? I mean, seriously, I don't know. I I really don't know. I don't know what type of system will be put in place. It will also, you know, Marty, we use the word integrity. It affects Mm -hmm. the integrity of the league because people like you and people like me now are going to go, wait a minute. Owners are paying coaches to lose intentionally? How do I know that's not happening with my team when they're having a bad year? How do I know that that hasn't happened in the past? How do I know that This isn't going on with officials when we see a horrendous, egregious call at the end of a game that cost the team a win or a loss. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. the domino effect of this is going to be huge. This is a real black eye, Marty, for the National Football League, particularly leading up to the Super Bowl. Because nobody's going to be talking about the Super Bowl next week. All right? right? Nobody in L.A. is going to be talking. When I mean nobody in L.A., I'm talking about the media. They're going to be focusing in on this more than the game. This is a real bad, bad, bad look for the National Football League. Thank you for your time, Grant. Marty, have a great weekend. Me too. And Marty's one hundred percent correct about about the racism claims. I, I think it's safe to say, you know, I don't know if I would call it racism. You know, I don't know what I would call it, but there is a uh, um, the, the, the disparity is too alarming. It's too obvious to just assume that there's no discrimination going on. In the National Football League. I mean, that's the way I look at it. It it just, it, 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 the numbers are too outlandish and too outrageous to just say, well, there's no discrimination going on in the NFL. It it appears that there is. Okay, it appears that there is. Now, as far as the interviews with the Giants and the Broncos, I I don't know about that. I really don't. All right, let's get to Cody. Cody, thank you for calling. How are you today? Hey, Cody. Good. What's happening?
1: Okay, I, I can't hear you, Grant, but I hope you can hear me. I yes, I can. In 2019, after Brian Flores, I believe was hired by the Dolphins, he made a statement about his interview with John Elway and Joel at the Broncos. And he stated that he thought it was a good interview. They conducted themselves fine. So I'm just curious if you heard about that
0: article at all. I did, and we don't have a great connection, so I'm going to put you back in the audience, Cody, and thank you very much. I did, and it just seems to me that he didn't have any issues back in 2019 You know, after the interview. There was also another story that I read, and quite frankly, I, I can't remember where I read it at the moment. I will try to refresh my memory here as I talk to you live about Brian Flores and the staff that he hired in Miami that was predominantly a staff of white coaches all right so you know I, again what the the point they were trying to make is that Brian Flores was a head coach had the ability to hire a staff and yet hired a staff that was Predominantly white, so you know again th- what what does that mean? It, it, maybe nothing, you know. Maybe nothing. It said, "Oh, you know what? I'm reading an article here. Uh, let's see who wrote it's from OutKick. All right. This is interesting. In his three-year tenure with the Dolphins, he had 20 coaches on his 2021 coaching staff, 15 of those white and five black." Flores hired four offensive coordinators during his time with the Dolphins, including co-coordinators in 2021. Three of those four are white. Flores hired four offensive line coaches during his tenure. Three of those four white. He hired two defensive coordinators during his time as head coach, one black and one white. He hired four quarterback or assistant quarterback coaches during his three years. Three of those four Are white Jim Caldwell, the only exception, who worked with Flores for a couple of months back in 2019. He had one special teams coordinator during his time as coach, white. And so, you know, again, I'm just throwing out the numbers because that's what everyone is going to look at. That's what everyone is going to look at. Yeah, I don't know what's true and what's not true. As I said, the disparity in minority hiring in the National Football League as it pertains to front office and head coaching, you really can't ignore. I mean, there, there, there's, there, there's got to be something to that. But to just say that the Giants and the Broncos conducted sham interviews because you can not get the job, mm, I'm not so sure about that. Kevin, you're on with Grant on Listen Up. Hi, Kevin. Hi there.
2: Um, I, I, what I want to say has to do with just, I want the best candidate for, for any head coaching job, not just you know, if they're white or if they're black, I just want the best candidate, the most qualified. And it seems like, you know, a lot of the talk shows and what you see on ESPN, they're really nitpicking, you know, every single white coach that gets hired as if he's not qualified. Correct. Um, it, which really bothers me because those guys have worked their ass off to get where they're at. Um, and I think the term quote unquote qualified seems to be they, they're going down the path of either have to be a coordinator or they have to have head coaching experience. And if we do that, you're eliminating, you know, someone, an owner, a GM, really finding a great head coach that might be blowing them away in the interviews. They may be so well prepared. Um, and you just have that gut feeling of, Hey, this guy's just going to be a great coach. And if you eliminate that, you know, to me, that's sad. And it, it if, it, if everyone has to have a head coaching experience to get a job as a head coach,
0: then... Well, that couldn't be because then no one would ever be a head coach before. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, again, you know, you have a lot of issues. I mean, not not to get into politics, but you have the president of the United States talking about that the next Supreme Court justice will be an African-American female. Right? All right. So, like, you know, it's like, wait a minute. You know, we're, we're trying to you know, talk about diversity. We're trying to talk about, you know, just story going on in the NFL and you have the president of the United States who's all automatically precluded anyone that is not a person of color from getting the next Supreme Court justice. Now, num- you know, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's not only going on in sports and it's not only in one direction. I mean, it goes both ways too. So I don't know what the solution is. You know, I, I really don't. Um, I think it's despicable when you have, You know, a media personality like Bamani Jones go on ESPN and say, quote, I just don't know why people try to make this far more complex than it is. What's the problem? White people. You know, and I will tell you, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. in having conversations with people of different ethnicities, I personally feel that these type of comments divide us as a nation. It doesn't bring us together. Bamani Jones said this, who are the ones that are making these decisions? white people who are the ones that won't change their decision making white people who are the ones that only do anything in a different way when it comes to these matters are the threat of litigation white people y'all the ones that know these white people y'all the ones that be hanging out with these white people y'all the ones that know the ones that pretend to be such good people and then make all the same decisions as everyone else again there is such a gigantic double standard in our country, all right? Because the reality is, if a white person said that about anyone, that, anyone with color, whether we're talking about African American, whether we're talking about black, you know, we, the reality is you and I both know that person probably would not even be able to conclude their show. They would be fired in the middle of their show. So and we have a double standard in our society. We have a, a society that is very hypocritical but in this particular instance okay as it relates to and pertains to coaching in the national football league and i'm talking about head coaching the number of minority coaches in the national football league the the difference in percentage is eye opening and it's not been it's not just this year it's not just last year the numbers are very weak if you're trying to say now there's not a problem there has to be a problem OK, now, do I consider the problem just racism? I, I'm not I, I can't say it is racism or it's not. But what I can tell you is it's very alarming when you have 32 teams in the National Football League. And as you and I speak right now, there's only one black head coach, and that's Mike Tomlin. Yeah.
2: So is there, uh, for example, in Kansas City, is, is Eric Bieniemy? enemy? is he, does he call plays or Andy Reid yes. takes full no. play calling?
0: No, he does. And I've also heard from several people that are in the know that he does not do well in interviews. All right. That he does not blow people away when he comes in for an interview. And listen, there are a lot of coaches that are like that. I'll use North Turner as an example. North Turner is a great, great offensive coordinator, but he wasn't a great head coach. And we can talk about, you know, a lot of coordinators that have been very, very good as coordinators, but as head coaches, not at all, not at all. And so, You know, the fact that you are a really good coordinator does not necessarily mean you're going to be a very good head coach. And that goes for, you know, whether you are white or whether you are black. There are a lot of great coordinators, some of the best that have ever lived. That doesn't mean they're going to be a really good head coach. I don't know why people just assume because you're a good coordinator, you're going to be a good head coach. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking my call. Thank you. I mean, I know Eric bien has had numerous, numerous, numerous interviews. And I've heard, you know, again, things that I've read, and I I don't know what's true and what's not, that he does not do well in interviews. Now, what does that mean? I'm not really sure. But that it's not, he doesn't go in and blow the doors off of general managers and owners and coaches during his interview process. All right, let's get to Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Hey, Grant. How are you? Good. What's happening? Oh, uh, I was going to
3: change gears. If you didn't mind uh, getting back to the Kings, Fox is still not playing.
0: Yep. I'm aware of that. And I have don't you, understand how a guy could miss that much time with a sore ankle.
3: Have you heard any insight or did you read the Sacramento B article? I couldn't read or no,
0: you... I didn't read it. I didn't have to read it. I listened to an interview that he did uh, two days ago before shoot and He didn't look very comfortable in the interview. I didn't really buy what he was saying, and it didn't make sense to me. Oh, I see.
3: Yeah, it it just doesn't make sense at all.
0: Well, you know, again, we're talking about what is today, the fourth? So the trade deadline is in six days. Right Now, you and I both know if he doesn't play between now and the 10th and he's Mm -hmm. traded, then you were right all along that this was because the Kings were planning on moving him, and they didn't want to take a chance. For him getting hurt, because I'll tell you right now, if if he gets traded and plays in the first game with his new team, that tells you all you need to know.
3: Right, right, right. Hey, one question. Uh, speaking of the NFL, the coaching, I totally agree with you. Uh, it got me thinking. Uh, how's the Major League Baseball with uh, black coaches? Uh, I really don't know. Uh, you know, I mean, is it well, there are just- a lot.
0: You know, I mean, there are some. Dusty Baker's one. But, uh, you know, again, baseball is a – again, they say they have the exact same problems uh, or I should say issues in baseball as they do in the National Football League.
3: I see. Okay. All right. Well, you have a good weekend. Thank hey, you. You have a good
0: weekend too. You know, I appreciate it. Speaking of baseball, the Players Association said no to mediation. So what that means is there's certainly going to be a delay with spring training and now the question is will the start of baseball be pushed back I don't care wake me up when you have a deal you know I'm I'm not going to lose sleep you know if I can't watch you know a 4 hour baseball game with a thousand strikeouts and 25 pitching changes in in uh, April I'm going to survive all right I think I'm going to make it I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'm not going to lose sleep over it uh, as all. You know, speaking of coaching, you know, again, another white coach. Now, in all fairness, uh, you know, Doug Peterson is the new head coach of the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. All right? Now, there were nine other candidates. Brian Lefwich, the Bucks' offensive coordinator, was one of them. And he pulled his name out before Doug Peterson was hired. They interviewed defensive coordinator Todd Bowles, Darren Bevel. Uh, they interviewed uh, Matt uh, Eberflus. They interviewed Jim Caldwell, Kellen Moore, uh, Rich Bisaccia, And they also interviewed Alabama offensive coordinator and former coach of the Texans, Bill O'Brien. So, again... You know, both Bowles and Leftwich from the Tampa Bay staff were interviewed, and Leftwich pulled his name out of consideration before Doug Peterson was named. Because I had heard through the grapevine, just like you did, that he was one of the leading candidates to be the head coach in Jacksonville. Now, listen, you can't argue with Doug Peterson, all right? in 5 seasons in Philadelphia, they made the playoffs 3 times and he won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. Okay? So you know, you can't you can't criticize Jacksonville in my opinion for this hire. All right? They beat the Patriots, what was it? 41 to what was it? 33 in the Super Bowl. So you know again 3 playoff appearances in 5 years I don't see how anybody can look at Jacksonville and make a claim about who they hired and who they didn't I mean I'm looking at all the candidates there if you're just going to look at numbers you know and again it's not fair to look at numbers if someone's never been a head coach before but yeah I can't argue with that you know I'm trying to be objective and look at this uh, but again you know as soon as Doug Peterson is hired the Critics come out and go, oh, there you go. You know, another white coach. That is true in certain situations. There's no doubt about that. I mean, when you have a retread unsuccessful white coach and he gets the job over, you know, an up and coming hot, you know, black coordinator or former black head coach like Todd Bowles, you know, coach the Jets, he's done a good job as a coordinator his entire career. And a lot of people think he will get another opportunity to coach. My opinion, and again, I've said this before I even knew he was going to interview for the job in Jacksonville. I thought his coaching decision was the worst decision I've seen all year in the National Football League with his blitz package against the Rams in that situation. Now, would that, as an owner, prevent me from hiring him? You know, it might. I got to be honest with you, it might. Any coach that would make a decision like that, I would have to say to myself, wait a minute, really? I I want a guy that makes a decision like that, you know, as my head coach. Now, there's one really bad decision, blemish in a guy's entire career. No, Todd Bowles has been a phenomenal football coach, phenomenal, phenomenal coordinator. So, you know, you look at this both ways, but that I don't think helped him. That's my opinion. All right, let's move along to other phone calls with Brian. Hello, Brian.
1: Hey, Grant. Hey, just listening. I've been listening to various shows today. And from what I've heard, and again, this is just hearing from other radio stations, that some of these cadets, like uh, Lefkowitz and others had issues with Trent Balke, is the report I'm, I've heard. Yes,
0: from, I heard know, that other, too. That's correct.
1: You know, and then as a Niner fan, obviously, we know his history going back to Harbaugh. Now I yep. know Harbaugh could be a little prickly obviously and with his nature and personality, but between Harbaugh and, and, you know, the, the Shanahan era, those, those years were pretty rough. And, you know, at the time choosing one of the two, it looked like they chose the wrong guy at that time, given the years thereafter. So, you know, who knows, but that's what I, that's what I've heard. It sounds like you as well. And if so, it's kind of interesting to me, the same guy hired, uh uh oh I'm drawing a blank on the name uh Meyer of course and that was Yeah the Urban Meyer
0: talk. yep
1: yeah yep. I am just kind of surprised you'd be married to a GM given his poor track record the last couple of years if that's the case
0: I'm with you 100% uh, it's very puzzling to me uh it really it really uh does you know I know last week you know one of the most respected writers uh anywhere Peter King speculated that bulky uh might uh step down that was i think he said that you know last week all right uh but i'm with you i i, I don't understand how he maintains his job uh in jacksonville you know yeah I really Byron, don't. A
1: jacksonville fan given byron's history with jacksonville and if that's indeed the reason why that would be a pretty disappointed as a jacksonville fan given how awful this season went and with meyer and everything like that but uh Yeah. Well, Peter King
0: said this. Peter King was doing an interview with a guy named Mike. I don't know who it was. And he said, Mike, you know, maybe it was Mike Florio. He said, Mike, you know, what I have heard inside the Jaguars, this was last week, by the way, is bulky has basically said internally, quote, if I am the problem, I will step aside. All right. And then Peter said, and you know, we will see if that indeed is the case. I don't. That certainly isn't looming. But he did bring it up in an interview a week ago. All right. So. you you make a very good point yeah have a great weekend yeah go ahead no go ahead Uh, just real quick
1: uh you're gm of the niners how do you handle the situation with the quarterbacks and i know you're pretty neutral on the team uh in terms of a fan base but if you're gm how do you handle it it's a very you know if you make a move you you know i know they've invested a lot and and Lance is the guy, you better be right, you
0: know, if uh, you yep. indeed trade. Well, I'll tell you this, Kyle, and, Shanahan, you know,
1: what
0: have you. Kyle, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and the staff, they know a lot more than you and I do because they watch him practice every yep. day, okay? And yep. so if they decide that Trey Lance is ready, then it's pretty obvious. Now, the other aspect, and you're well aware of this, because of the way the NFL salary cap goes, you really have five years to win and be successful when you draft a quarterback so this first year for all intents and purposes is a wash that you it didn't happen for him he didn't play yep. hardly now you only have four years left and you're not going to get better by sitting on the sidelines do i think the 49ers are going to be better next year than this year no i don't i don't but their hands are really tied here brian they're really tied here you're going to have to give the keys to the car to trey lance you gave up as you know brian you gave up a fortune to get him in the draft, to move up, you gave up a ton. You now have to put him in that position, even if he fails. You have to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, not only that, given his last year in college, he really hasn't played a lot of football the last two years. He's got to get out there and start flying, You know.
0: Correct. 100% and, correct. And,
1: and I imagine given the trade uh, picks we gave up to get him, we need to recoup some of that with whatever – situation we you know trade Garoppolo to and what have you and plus yep I know Bosa and Debo are coming up and those are two guys given the core of this team you got to resign
0: and, or extend you have to team. I mean there's you and, and you're 100% correct that is an absolute given you must have those two um, as much as I think the Niners are going to take a step back next year they really yeah. don't have a choice. They have to. They don't really have a choice here. They have to go with Trey Lance as the quarterback based on where they drafted him, based on how much they gave up, and they, they, that's just the way it is. you know. Now, what would have been interesting, Brian, is had the Niners won against the Rams on Sunday and went on and won the Super Bowl with Garoppolo, a quarterback, and I'm being very hypothetical here, and he had been yeah. the MVP of the Super Bowl, then what, then what would have they had done?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, the whole thing's... Uh, an interesting hypothetical yep. and I haven't spoke to you but just briefly I know that seems like an attorney to go in, in news and everything that fourth quarter calling by Shanahan that was very puzzling that the yep, sequence before the fumble uh, with not you burning a timeout with the second and 10 go to second and 15 that yep. was probably the worst sequence in recent memory that I've witnessed and it was just very bizarre seeing live and really in shock like, given the well, scenario. I'll tell you
0: this. I th- I think Kyle Shanahan is a brilliant mind, but he was up 28 to three. Colin plays against New England and made an absolutely horrific decision in the fourth quarter that ended up costing them the game. In my opinion, he had, mm-hmm. the fourth quarter he looked like the Niners were going to beat Kansas City three Super Bowls ago. They fell apart. Now, in all fairness to Shanahan, Garoppolo missed a couple of wide open throws to Kittle. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't necessarily blame that on Shanahan, but. You've got the regular season game this year against Green Bay, same situation, horrible play calling, horrible game management, and then you're in an NFC championship game with a 10-point lead in the fourth, and you have a sequence which is mystifying, you know, running the ball on second and one, third and one, having a fourth and two, punting the ball, and for all intents and purposes, the momentum of the game changed. And again, whether or not you can blame that on Shanahan or not, here's the reality. Shanahan... His now his his red flag, his uh, critics are saying, great coach, great offensive mind, but can't close the deal. That's his M.O. now, can't close the deal. Now, in all fairness, Andy Reid had that same criticism until he won, but that's the way it is for Shanahan. Great coach, great mind, can't close the deal. Yeah, no, when, you, when it happens
1: three times, yep, that's going to get red flagged, as you said, so. Anyhow, that was a tough one. Again, deja vu two years ago. It's hard to believe that, but it is what it is. (laughs) So nice talking, Grant.
0: Hey, nice talking to you. You have a great weekend. It's a really good call from Brian. All right. Let's move along here and uh, get to some more phone calls right here on Listen Up with Ulysses. Hey, Ulysses, how How are are you you this afternoon? I'm good. How are you, Grant? I'm good. Thanks for calling.
4: Yes, Grant. So my take on the 49ers. You know, they get a little different. I think they're actually going to get better next year, and here's why. So, Shanahan has never had a mobile quarterback. Even when he lost uh, with the Atlanta Falcons, he didn't have a mobile quarterback. So, I'm thinking Shanahan's got a scheme just like Debo Samuels. He's got to get Debo the ball. And he realized he couldn't get Debo the ball with Garoppolo throwing it to him on a regular basis. So, he found a way to get Samuels the ball. And I believe and is going to find a way to use uh, Trey Lance's feet along with some deep threats. So I think play action is going to be the next thing for them. So I think they're going to get better.
0: Well, in order you for know, them uh, to get better, in order for them to get better, they're going to have to go to the Super Bowl. That's the only true. way they could be better than they were this year.
4: True. And and that is so true. And, and 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 I believe they have a chance to do that with Trey Lance. Because it's just like the 49ers when they –
0: Oh, we lost Ulysses. I lost you, buddy. You must be in a bad area. Call me back so we can finish this conversation. I put you back in the audience. Call me back. Ulysses, I'm going to pick up on where you left off, and then hopefully we can get you back on. The 49ers, I agree with you that they're going to utilize Trey Lance's feet and run more. Quarterbacks that run in the NFL generally get hurt. Keep that in mind. All right?
4: I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that. And that's why I said, with Ka- but see the difference, what I'm saying comparing him to Kaepernick, and the difference is Trey Lance has an arm.
0: Kaepernick yes, he does. Great Kaepernick arm. Kaepernick
4: did not have an arm. Correct. So he couldn't, they tried. They used the, the scheme tactic the first year at Kaepernick and, and used his legs. His legs got the 49ers to the Super Bowl. And this Correct. is what I believe Shanahan has in his, his back pocket. Trey Lance's legs going to get him to the Super Bowl, and then he's going to have to bring something in the Super Bowl to with his arm and and i think i think cal shannon has it in john Lance, and i think whatever they're going to trade garoppolo for is going to be exactly what they need so i think i don't know
0: listen you 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 might be right long term but i think it is highly highly unlikely that a quarterback who's only taken a couple of snaps is going to step onto the field next year and take a team to the super bowl i i don't see it i i, I just i think that's highly unrealistic
4: and, and, and we still don't know what they're going to do with, with garoppolo We don't know what they're going to get returned. Maybe a veteran quarterback. Maybe. Yep. We don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe a Matt Ryan. I don't know. I mean, maybe somebody just to be a staple.
0: Yep. Could very well be. Have a great weekend.
4: You too. You too, Grant.
0: Take care. Yep. Bye-bye. I mean, listen, there's no denying Trey Lance's ability and his talent level and his upside. He's got a huge upside. And Ulysses is right. I mean, the guy has an unbelievable arm. But there are a lot of quarterbacks that have been in the NFL that have had unbelievable arms that have not been successful. I mean, Jeff George is a guy that always sticks out. He had one of the greatest arms of his generation, but there's a lot more to having a great arm. I talk about this all the time. We show in Salisbury when I, when we do our show together, you know, on No Filter Network, or when I have him on my podcast, is you know that that's overrated at times. I'm worried about Trey Lance getting hurt uh, as a guy that is going to use his legs a lot and the run-pass option and running plays, he's going to have to learn how to get down and protect himself. And uh, you know what you have in Garoppolo, but that's, that's now in the past. They're going to move him. I think we already know that. And now the pressure, I don't know about pressure, but now the responsibility is on Lance. Now, you know, the 49ers have a very good running game. And as Ulysses points out, if they're able to run the ball, especially with Lance, who's an added runner, you know, play action should be very effective. Uh, I could see George Kittle having a mammoth year. We know how great Samuel is already. So it's going to be a different look. And it is going to be very intriguing to watch the 49ers with a completely different style of quarterback than what they had. Phenomenal. It's going to be very interesting. All right. If you want to get in on the show today, all you need to do is raise your hand and I will put you right up on stage with me. Again, baseball is in limbo. The uh, Players Association, all right. Said no to mediation. So I don't know what's going to happen. Off the field, you know, one of the most popular umpires, Joe West, announced his retirement. All right. And a guy that has, I think he umpired over 5,400 regular season games. I think he did six World Series. 43 seasons, and Joe West retiring. You know, I did a podcast with uh, an umpire, Jerry Davis, who also has done over 5,000 games, and he also retired this year. Matter of fact, I had Jerry Davis on back in the fall of 2020, and I believe... That Jerry Davis has worked more postseason games than any umpire in history. And we had a phenomenal conversation. You know, I'm friends with a couple of baseball umpires, and one of, in particular, who's one of my very best friends, and fans have no idea what they go through. They really don't. They have no clue. You know, they see an umpire out there, and they're like, oh, gee, what an easy job. Or, First of all, the injuries that they suffer behind the plate are numerous. You don't. You never. You never think about that. You know when it's 95 degrees out and the game lasts four hours. You know they don't come off the field every half inning and get a chance to sit down. All right. If the game is on artificial turf, you know it's hotter than hell out there. All right. Uh, you know there are times when my buddy has done a night game. You know with the Yankees and the Red Sox on Sunday night baseball. I remember two years ago. He was doing a game in, I think it was a Sunday night Yankee Red Sox game in Boston. And the next night, he's on the field in San Francisco at third base, you know, umpiring. So, you know, again, they don't fly charter. They all fly commercial. I'm not asking you to feel sorry for them. What I'm saying is, you know, you think they have the best, easiest life in the world. You know, it's not as easy as you think. And I I thought that it was easy, too, until I got to know them and I've talked with them. And now uh, I've known, I've gotten to know several several of these guys and know them very well very well and I will tell you that when I hear their stories and you know other aspects of their job you'd be very surprised it's not as easy as it seems all right now am I asking you to say well gee that's a hard job you know hard I don't know how you describe hard I would just tell you it's much more difficult than you would uh, think in addition you know getting yelled at every 5 seconds but you know all officials in all sports that happens all right uh if you want to come on the program today uh hit your hand icon uh raise your hand uh and we will be more than happy uh to talk to you on this friday all right let's get to uh, e train right here on listen up hello e train welcome to the program how are you Yeah. Hey, Grant.
2: Uh, I don't know if you saw the article on ESPN today about the uh, Washington
0: uh, football investigation with Dan Snyder or not. Yeah, I did. I actually talked about it a little bit yesterday, but go ahead.
2: Well, so I got to tell you, if any of that's true, it almost sounds like, you know, Roger Goodell and the league are colluding with Washington to, you know, make sure that they protect the franchises and That just makes me feel like I don't
0: I wouldn't trust the NFL to be a part of any investigation and and hope that, you know, the truth comes out. That's right. It has to be an independent investigation. I'm with you. I don't trust the NFL either. I mean, I think the entire investigation of the Washington football team has been a debacle. Uh, You make a great point as it uh, relates to Roger Goodell. I don't know how Roger Goodell survives all this. I think the NFL needs new leadership. Uh, I think Roger Goodell, yeah, he's had his moments, but he's also failed on a lot of important uh, aspects of the NFL, and I believe that the league needs new ownership or new leadership, but you're 100% correct as it relates to Daniel Snyder. First of all, I don't know how Daniel Snyder retains his ownership of Washington, now the commanders. I just don't see it. You know, if these if, if these allegations, all right, are true of Daniel Snyder, he can't be the owner of an NFL team. It's embarrassing.
2: When I just bring this up in the context of the, you know, Brian Flory's, you know, lawsuit and whatnot is, you know,
0: I wouldn't trust the NFL to get to the bottom of anything. I wouldn't either. And and they can't because they have they have no credibility among the fans. And that's the important aspect here. You're 100 percent correct. You make a great point. The NFL needs an independent investigation to all of these allegations. You're absolutely correct. Perfect. Thanks, Grant. My pleasure. Have a great weekend. You know the the aspect, the issue with Daniel Snyder uh, is very alarming. All right. So, uh, you know, how is it that the emails of John Gruden and Bruce Allen are leaked? Right. The NFL may not be able to release the findings publicly without the explicit permission of owner owner Daniel Snyder. That was according to, and what, what E-Train's referring to, a document that was released this morning by the Congressional Committee investigating the NFL. So, I don't know what it all means, but there was a second document Friday today that showed that, and I'm reading this from ESPN.com, that the team requested a written investigation from Beth Wilkinson's law firm, and she was hired to conduct An internal investigation of the team. Goodell said previously that the league cannot release the internal investigation because Wilkinson presented her findings orally. All right. A statement was released today by Daniel Snyder refuting the committee's assertions. All right. And then the NFL had a statement that said the league and not the team has and will determine which information it is in a position to produce. This is ridiculous, you know? Said, um, well, Daniel Snyder's attorney said, regarding today's letter from the committee to the NFL, neither Mr. Snyder nor the team has ever done anything to block the committee from receiving any documents it has requested from the NFL that are not expressly protected by attorney, client privilege, or attorney work product. Finally, all remaining non privileged emails are being provided to the committee shortly. I, I don't know where all this goes. You know, I really don't. But it just seems to me that the Washington now commanders are in the news for all the wrong reasons, right? For all the wrong reasons. Boy, how about the NFL, all the garbage that's going on off the field with the Super Bowl getting ready to be played a week from Sunday? How about the NFL, huh? What a disaster for the league. And with these stories that keep on coming up, I just don't understand how Roger Goodell can remain the commissioner. Everything's happening on his watch, and I'm not saying everything is his fault, but guess what? He is the commissioner. And I think it's time for new leadership in the National Football League. Hey, if you want to get in on the program before we head to the weekend, all you got to do is raise your hand, hit your hand icon, uh, and we will do it. Again, if you're just joining us, uh, it does not look like baseball is going to be getting started anytime soon as the MLB Players Association rejected mediation. They declined it. MLB yesterday said they wanted to go to mediation. And... They said no. So, you know, typical billionaires and millionaires not able to get the job done. MLB Players Association said today two months after implementing their lockout and just two days after committing to players that a counter proposal would be made, the owners refused to make a counter and instead requested mediation. After consultation with our executive board and taking into account a variety of factors, We have declined this request. Now, Major League Baseball said this. Our goal is to have players on the field and fans in the ballparks for spring training and opening day. With camp scheduled to open in less than two weeks, it is time to get immediate assistance from the Federal Mediation and uh, Conciliation Service to help us work through our differences and break the deadlock. It is clear the most productive path forward would be the involvement of an impartial third party to help bridge gaps and facilitate an agreement. It is hard to understand why a party that wants to make an agreement would reject mediation from the federal agency specifically tasked with resolving these disputes, including many successes in professional sports. MLB remains committed to offering solutions at the table and reaching a fair agreement for both sides. Max Scherzer, by the way, who's a member of the union's executive subcommittee, Went on social media and said we don't need mediation because what we are offering the MLB is fair to both sides. Translation You're not gonna see baseball for a while. And I for one don't give a damn. Good. Don't don't have baseball. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, stay out of stay out of work and see how fans don't give a damn. Because most fans really are not gonna care. Not for a while. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to miss baseball in April and May and June. I can tell you that. Let's get to Kevin. Hello, Kevin. How are you? Good. Um, I was just
2: reading since we were talking about removing NFL owners potentially. Yes. And it, it said three quarters. Goodell could request a vote and would require three quarters of the NFL executive committee, which is made up of I guess one rep from each of the 32 teams. So it would take 24 votes. 24 of the 32 would have to vote to remove, you know, whether it be Schneider or uh, right. whichever other owner of that situation. It just seems like that would be highly unlikely that they're going to put themselves in a position Agreed. to remove someone that could later come back to leave Agreed. them
0: susceptible to the same vote. Um, you know, if if Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, is found to uh, incentivize Brian Flores, if that can be proven that that happened where he was going to pay a hundred thousand dollars for every loss. If that can be proven, I believe the owners would vote to remove him because they would have to, I mean, the integrity of the league would be at stake. First of all, if that's proven to be true, I would think that Steven Ross would, would sell the team or whatever, you know, relinquish control of the team, whatever. There's just no way he would be able to stay as an owner of a team. I don't even think the NFL would have to vote on that. I'm talking about the owners, but your point is very well taken, Kevin. I think you're spot on. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's all I had. All right, appreciate it. Yeah, he's spot on. You know, it's going to be very difficult to get the owners to oust another owner. But in the case of Stephen Ross, if the allegations are true, put forth in the lawsuit by Brian Flores, then, you know. Again, I I don't know where this is all heading, but just based on the Giants and the Broncos – It doesn't seem like Brian Flores has a very good case against those two teams. You know, now the Dolphins, I I have no idea. I mean, first of all, I I can't see how you could possibly accuse the Dolphins with racism claims, considering that Brian Flores was just a head coach there for three years. You know, but again, I don't know what's on emails, text messages, who the hell knows, okay? I'm going to wait for the investigation. To come out, I'm going to wait for the facts to come out before I jump to conclusions. But you know, John Elway and the Giants have come out with pretty terse statements denying all allegations from Brian Flores. And I don't know how he's going to prove that they were sham interviews. Like I, I I'm sorry, I don't really understand how that is going to happen. I, I don't, I, I don't know. But I'm not an attorney, and that's not what I do. You know, I don't think the issue with Miami is one of race, pretty much. I think it's of, you know, the, the the other notion of trying to change the outcome of games. And that goes right to the integrity of the league. But again, as you look at what's going on in the NFL, there were 32 teams, and currently there's one black head coach. You can't tell me that that's not an issue. It is an issue, and it needs to be dealt with. I don't have the solution. You know, I, I don't know what the solution is. I really don't, but, I mean, come on now, all right? Come on now. All right, I hope everyone has a fabulous weekend. Let's do it again Monday, 3 o'clock Pacific, and stay safe. Really appreciate the shows this week. I thought they were outstanding. Uh, I can't thank you enough. Great phone calls, really good conversation on some important topics, particularly on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, I want to get into that more. You know, I think it was great what we had on Wednesday with Forrest and Ulysses and then Nick. And then we had some great questions yesterday uh, about Chris Weber and Matt Barnes and my lawsuit and, you know, some other delicate topics that we got right into. Very good. You know, I really like that. So I've been very open here. I'm very transparent. You can ask me anything and unless i can't answer it i will answer it okay i can promise you that good stuff have a great weekend everybody thanks for listening right here to grant napier on listen
1: it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper